0: Well, let's, uh, let's start over in Deuteronomy. We're talking about uh, seven things that bring increase in your life. And you probably already figured out that you will not hear all seven of these tonight. <laughs> but in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and what? Increase, or multiply in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Now that uh, scripture gives you a revelation of what he means by increase. He means multiplication. How do you know that 5 plus 5 is 10, but 5 times 5 is what? And etc., etc. So you can see the compounding effect of multiplication. God, from the very beginning, this is the point, from the very inception of creation, he had increase on his mind. That's one of the ways you know that anything that would cause destruction that would take away life, uh, that would support things like abortion, is diametrically opposite to some of the first commands that God gave. If you still struggle about voting and who should support and platforms, let me just lay it out there as plain as I can. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through verse 28 represent the very first words that mankind ever heard. Did you hear what I said? So how many of you believe like I do that those words mattered? And the very first words that, the, that struck the human ear, I'm for you increasing and populating this place, not killing you off and destroying you. So on the basis of Genesis, somebody asks you, well, how in the world could you vote for somebody like that? You just say, you know what? Genesis 128. And they'll look at you with raised eyebrows, and you can explain yourself. God is in the increase business. About 860,000 children are aborted every year in this country. Does that sound like increase to you? No. So you can see the heart of God from the very beginning is for increase. Be fruitful, increase or multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And in addition to increase, He wants you to walk and operate in a thing called dominion. So go with me from there over to Deuteronomy Let's just build a a little bit of a foundation tonight. If you haven't voted, make sure you do. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I wish I, I could, but I can't show you what I see in the spirit realm. But if you could see into the spirit realm tonight over this nation, you could pull back the curtain you would see this massive demonic cheering section pulling for socialism and communism to be implemented in this nation. Even the people pushing these narratives and pushing these ideologies, they have no idea how destructive they really are. It looks fascinating. It looks equitable. It looks fascinating on something that would be of positive benefit until you actually implement the system. And somehow there's always some character who thinks that I'll do this the right way. They don't see the system as flawed. First of all, it's unscriptural. Say it with me, it's unscriptural. So no system that's unscriptural is ever going to work. But then they say, well, I'm going to do it differently, and so we're going to implement this system, everything's going to be great for everybody, and it's going to be a wonderful utopia, and then the reality is it's a disaster because every anti-God system is going to be a disaster. And that's where we are right now. So if you could see behind that curtain, you would see the enemy's greatest push to destroy this nation there's ever been in the history of this nation. So make sure you do pray make sure you do vote. Make sure you vote light and life and not darkness and death. Come on, say with me, light and life, not darkness and death. I don't care. You don't have to read the whole platform. Just ask yourself an honest question. Are these people for life and light or are they for darkness and death? And then you go and do so accordingly. It'll simplify things for you. Amen? I do like what the president said this week, and I actually put it on Facebook. The choice is simple. You can either have the American dream or you can have a socialist hell. That's your choice. Amen? Thank you for this message, and I approve it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And will tell you why. Because if we don't speak up, we're going to lose the most precious gift this earth has had outside of the Jewish people and Jesus himself. This is a gift to this world, and we should take care of it. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy 7, and verse 11, Therefore take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Listen to these powerful words. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep His covenant of love with you as He swore to your forefathers, He will love you and bless you and increase you in numbers. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Love me. Bless me. Increase me. So you can see tonight that there are, uh, there is an indication here that there are certain ways that will release the best that God has for you. And part of that is a spirit of increase. Now you may be looking at the the natural realm during this past several six or seven months and say, well, there's not been increase." I want you to understand that word's more powerful than what's happened in the past seven months. I want you to realize this promise is still binding. Amen? It still is there for the people of God. Say it with me. He'll love me, bless me, and increase me. In other words, if I love him enough to walk in his ways, He's going to respond with love and blessing and what? Increase. How many of you really believe deep down in your heart God loves you? Raise your hand if you believe He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, God demonstrated His love in this while we were yet sinners. What happened? Christ died for us. Raise your hand if you believe He loved you. Well, in the same paragraph, He also says He'll bless you, empower you to prosper, to succeed, and He says He'll increase you. So if you believe that he loves you, then understand it's also possible for you to be blessed and increased. But you know, and I know that faith comes by hearing. And if all you're taught is how God is against you, you never know what God's going to do. Just a few more weary days will fly away. I came up the rough side of the mountain, and that's all you ever hear. You're going to have faith for, you never know what God's going to do. You're going to have faith for it. You're, you're still climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Eventually you'll get to the top, I guess. You know, you'll have faith for everything that's negative instead of what the Bible actually says. So the Bible says, if I'll take heed, honor his commands, walk in his ways, this is a simple way to put this, I'm going to get the love of God. I'm going to see the blessing of God. I'm going to see the increase of God. Shout this out. It's God's will that I increase. You say, well, I've not increased this past several months. I've actually decreased. Well, guess what? That's all much more you have to make up now that God is going to bestow upon you. There is no loss in God. There's always gain in God. Uh, Do you know that that even right now, uh, most uh, astrophysicists believe this universe is still expanding? With one command, the place where we live, (laughs) this universe is still growing. Come on, shout it out. He has increase increase. on his mind. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep His covenant of love with you. As He swore to your forefathers, He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He is increase-minded. Now go with me over to Psalm 115. This is a great one for you to uh, mark up, highlight. It's not even so uh, so long you couldn't memorize it, but... Uh, Psalm 115. I guess look with me at verse 9. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Is your help and shield? Write this down in your notes if you don't have this. To trust means to put your full weight upon Him. Uh, the prophets, like Isaiah, would tease about Israel's trust in Egypt, and one of the illustrations is they would put their trust on on Egypt's help. That's like putting your hand on a on a rod that actually has a sharp end, and when you put your weight on that, your hand goes right through that rod. It's not there to support you; it will actually pierce you. But how do you know when you trust in God, He doesn't pierce you? He helps you. You see this? He's interested in helping you. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So I understand that um, speaking strictly from genetics and speaking strictly from culture, that you and I can't call ourselves, and you might be here and you can, so you know, correct me if you are of the lineage, of a Jewish lineage, but you and I are engrafted in. But watch this, some folks would read this and say, well, you know, yeah, I'm engrafted into Israel, but technically I'm not part of that people, and I'm certainly not part of the household of Aaron. Well, do you fear it? Yes. Suddenly it doesn't matter if you're not genetically connected to Israel. Now, I mean, Ultimately, you're connected back to God anyway. That's right. God made Adam and Eve, and you're related. Say it with me, I am related. And so, what matters is that you fear the Lord. I always like to take a moment to explain what fear the Lord means. It doesn't mean like being spooked at Halloween. It means that you honor, revere, and respect Him enough to do what He says. Now, I don't care where you came from, what your tribe is, what your nation is, your nationality is, you know your color is, if you'll fear the Lord, this promise is for you. Come on, say it, it's for me. See, this changes everything. Abraham tells us as the father of faith, it's what you do with the coming seed. In his mind, in the coming seed that would redeem mankind, you and I see it from the other side of, of, of history. We know his name is Jesus, don't we? Yes. That's what this is all about. So, if you have faith in the coming seed, you have faith in the one that actually came, then you're in good a good situation, regardless of your lineage. And some of you might be like a pokehead. I don't know what your background is. You're just, I mean, you're just, you're just who, whatever you are, I don't know what you are. I love what Creflo talks about this. People are stupid for judging each other based on their background, nationality, and color. All it is is a paint job. Why does one person with a certain paint job think they're better than somebody else with a different paint job? Huh? I got a red truck, a green truck, a white truck, a blue truck, whatever it is, a purple truck for Sheila. Got to throw that in there. <laughs> got to have a purple truck, you know. Is that what really matters? No. Underneath the hood is an engine that will carry you from A to B, a, blade, a bed where you can haul stuff. I mean, people really have had to been taught this false doctrine that there are more than one race. There's not. There's one race, and it's called what? The human race. Aren't you glad that God's Word is always the greatest source of wisdom? Amen? So it doesn't make any difference where you came from. What matters is, what are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with his word? Are you fearing the Lord? You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. He is a help and shield for who? All that fear him. All that love, reverence, and respect him enough to actually do what his word says. Read on with me. The Lord remembers us. Now all of a sudden it's us. He remembers us. Do you believe he remembers you? In this room tonight, you may be somebody who has said recently, you know, the Lord just forgotten about me. He doesn't see me. He doesn't know what's going on. I assure you, he sees you. Yes, he does. I assure you, he knows what's going on. I assure you, he remembers you. Amen. The Lord remembers us and will what? Bless. bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. And he will bless those who fear the Lord. Amen. Small and great Amen. alike. Come on, big smile tonight and say, Amen. I'm part of the family. family. Say it like you mean it. I'm I'm part of the family. Hallelujah. May the Lord make you increase. Some folks come kicking and screaming. The Lord make you increase. Both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Yes. Hallelujah. Make you increase. Say this with me. God has increase on his mind. And he's talking about me. When you see increase, don't say to yourself, well, that's for certain special people. That doesn't matter. You know, When you talk about redemption and all of its you know aspects and all of its benefits it's easy to say well you know god doesn't want to heal everybody god doesn't want to prosper everybody god doesn't want to give everybody peace god doesn't want to give everybody a good job or somewhere to live that's nice or a nice dependable view god just does that for certain special people what you're talking about is diametrically opposite to what the scripture says that's right. Amen. it's a violation of the word of god and in an odd way even in the self-pity you're not fearing the lord because you're not submitting to what he said you shouldn't go kicking and screaming. You should go with a big old Christian smile on your face. Look what God said about us. If we'll fear the Lord, He's going to make us increase more and more. You know, uh, it's important that you understand this as a foundation. If we're going to talk about the things that, that uh, you know, instill or things that will advance, increase in your life, things that will bring increase in your life, then you have to understand, first of all, it's God's will that you increase. Now, I will say this, different people increase different ways, but it's God's will to increase them all. How many believe that it's God's will to forgive anybody that will repent and call upon His name? You yes. believe that? Yes. Can a Christian get forgiveness after they've blown it? Yes. yes. That same Bible that tells us that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then when God speaks of wanting all to increase, we back off of it. That's religion, that's not the word. Write this down. Walking in religion is not walking in the ways of God. Religion is to to either combine something that is contradictory to God's Word and thereby neutralize it or adopt something that's completely inconsistent with God's Word where it's not combined, it's just a different philosophy, a different system. That's not going to get you increase. That's not going to get you victory in any area of your life. Now, good news for you and for me, um, let me just say this about classic redemption. I want you to say that word, those two words, classic redemption. redemption. What that means is there should be in the Christian a fundamental and classic understanding of what he did when he went to the cross for you and for me. The Bible says in Galatians 3 that he redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law, having hung on a tree, he curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Scripture says he redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles by faith. We know that the Holy Spirit is a big part of that inheritance, but that's not the only thing that's part of that inheritance. The question is, what did he redeem you from? Well, the the curse involves three main areas. Write these down. Uh, Unfortunately, some Christians are content to to see God deal with one area and then one day die and go to heaven. But, you know, you don't have to settle. It's just something wrong about settling when he paid such a high price for us. Do you believe he redeemed you? Do you believe his blood is precious? Do you believe there was a curse? Yes. Yes. Do you believe there's a blessing? See, from Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, it tells us that the first words that man ever heard were words of the blessing. Therefore, it's always God's word that blesses people. Blessing was lost because of sin. The blessing is restored because of what Jesus did. And so now the blessing comes in and neutralizes or, or brings to naught that force, that power, which it caused us to suffer in, in three specific areas. Now, when it comes to the curse, there was a, a spiritual cost to that. And what is spiritual death? It is separation from God. Aren't you glad you're not separated from him now? Do you know you'll never be separated from him? Amen. Yeah. You can get closer and closer and closer and closer to him in this life, but one day when you step over, you know, if uh, the rapture hasn't happened yet, and you step over, you're just going to get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer. He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. Uh, So classic redemption means that he took that spiritual death, that spiritual cost, and he neutralized it. And now there is no separation. And if there is, it's not because he moved. Scripture says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. If we feel away from him, it's because we're relying on our emotions to try to have a spiritual experience. Let me help you out here. Never rely on your emotions to have a spiritual experience. You may have an emotional response to a spiritual experience, but do not try to tap into the spiritual things of God through your emotions. Do you understand that? So whether you feel anything or not, you've got to go by what His Word says. His Word says that He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. The Bible says there's a friend that sits closer than a brother. Sometimes you look out and you go, where, are, where is that friend? Where is that one? And you say, I have no one. You always have someone. See, when your emotions tell you nobody cares, the words to tell you there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's for you. So in classic redemption, we know that the spiritual price has been taken care of, and now separation has now been replaced by closeness. Write this down, number two. There's a physical price or cost to it. And that is physical sickness and affliction. And it's ultimately physical death. Some people think that physical death is the same thing as spiritual death. Oh, no. You know, physical death, your body ceases to function, your spirit is expelled, spirit—you know eternal separation from God. Now, that's a problem. Because there are only two destinations for a human being. That's right. Now, no matter what the liberals say, and no matter what people who have compromised their pulpits say, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There are only two places you can go. And thank God through spiritual, you know, you know, redemption, we now have a place that is near his throne for all eternity. But the second aspect of the curse is that, you know, physical affliction and disease is a direct result of the curse that came in because of sin. And so you say, well, there now oftentimes people deal with things physically. COVID is a manifestation of that. Uh, The common cold is a manifestation of that. The flu is a manifestation of that. Cancer is a manifestation of that. Heart disease is a manifestation of that. All kinds of disorders of the joints, disorders, you know, of, of the chemistry of the body, you name it, your endocrine system. I mean, the bottom line is that you're very complicated. God made you, and the curse took a toll on that creation. I mean, instantly. And what the... Blessing does. Classic redemption means that not only now is there a reality of the curse, but the curse has been lifted. You've been redeemed from the curse. And that means there is provision for that human body. Aren't you glad? Now, what does that look like? Write this down. It looks like, first of all, divine healing when you're sick. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. And you say what is this all about tonight it's about laying the foundation so that you can appreciate the fact that he wants you to increase and enjoy that redemption and then make up your mind that you're going to line up with with the ways of god you're going to line up with the ways that we talk about so you can enjoy the increase and the benefit of being redeemed what's the point of being redeemed if you don't benefit by it there's practical benefit to being redeemed by the blood So there's divine healing when your body is ill or sick. And a manifestation of divine healing is the heart of God. Um, In technology, in medicine, Um, can God heal you without the use of that? Yes. Can God heal you with the use of it? Yes. And I've said this before, if you're going to go to a doctor, you better go in faith. If you're going to go into a hospital, you better be in faith when you go. It's not faith or that. You're using your faith regardless. And God will lead you what you're supposed to do. Uh, sometimes He'll tell you exactly what to do, and there'll be you know, mostly a spiritual emphasis to deal with that. Sometimes God will tell you to take advantage of the technology that's out there. How many you know that's up to God to lead His people, and you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? That's why don't ever judge somebody how they are appropriating God's promise of redemption in their body. Just leave people alone. Let me say it again. Leave them alone. According to their faith be it unto them. You operate at a faith level that you are at and in terms of what you believe God wants you to do to deal with certain things in your body. But it's all a revelation of the hand of God. I've got a lot of people that are friends in, in the medical world and I have a, a brother who actually has a has five clinics, a non-invasive surgical uh, vein therapy in the Phoenix and New Mexico area. And and I can tell you that uh, you know what a blessing the masses have that we have the technology that we have. Because in this town there may be, you know, a bunch of people that believe like us and there are a crazy crew like us that believe that God heals supernaturally. But what about the Christians who don't believe that necessarily and get sick? Should they just die? Or should they live out their days? That should tell you something about the heart of God. Yeah. Even when people would dismiss any promise of divine healing in the Scriptures through supernatural means, He cares for them so much. Everybody say so So much. Come on, say, God loves me so much. When the devil gets on your case, say, so much. That's how much he loves me, so much, that he would provide mechanisms to keep people on this earth to fulfill their purpose and destiny. It's amazing what he has done. Amen. So when you have this need for a touch in your body where the curse has been redeemed and the blessing is restored, You get a physical affliction. There's divine healing. Now, when you are, uh, you know, walking in health, and everybody say, I've been mostly healthy. Come on, confess, I've been mostly healthy all the days of my life. And I plan on staying healthy. All that time, that was God sustaining you with his powerful word. When I hear people say, well, I have divine health stuff. I can't believe you believe that. Really? But then you look at the, the, the total of someone's life. Take anybody you want. And there are exceptions to that. I know people who are grossly disfigured in the internal organs of their body and they have birth defects and there were issues going on with them. I've seen that firsthand. I know people like that. But I know an awful lot of people that on a piece of paper, they were to list all the years they were sick and all the years they were healthy. Guess which one would win? No, we'll now, who do you think was doing that? Just like technology, the grace of God through technology touches people's lives who may not even believe that God cares about the physical restoration because the redemption of the curse and the restoration of the blessing, it's the same thing here. He's sustaining the masses with health, and they don't even appreciate it. We're blessed people, and our eyes should be on God first and foremost for our health care. Amen? Amen. But divine health is part of that deliverance from the curse where there is a static state where you are well. And if there is a time where you're sick, that's a blip on the screen. That does not represent the will of God. Let me help you out here. Let's say a Christian is born again, spirit-filled, all excited for God, and then time goes by, and then one day they make a bad choice, they enter into a sin. Does that blip mean that their life is not worth redeeming anymore? Say it with me, it's a blip. That doesn't mean that God does not forgive. That doesn't mean that God didn't make them righteous. It doesn't mean that they don't have a future and a hope in God. It's a blip. And if you're going through something physically right now, it's a blip. Don't let a blip defeat you. The static state for the child of God, particularly because healing is the children's bread. That's clear from Scripture. It's a covenant right. You and I should have more revelation on increasing health and increasing vitality. There's a reason for that, and that's the third level in dealing with health, and that is divine life, where someone is not just trying to grab onto the hem of Jesus' garment and power shoots out of him. It's where somebody tries to grab onto your shoulder and power shoots out of you. Let me try that one more time because y'all have been sitting under this word long enough to receive that. You and I are supposed to be vessels of his love, vessels of his word, vessels of his goodness. And you and I should be walking with God that if somebody heard, hey, you know what? They believe God. They believe that God heals. And then if they'll pray for me, something's going to happen in my life. That should not, that should not astound you or intimidate you. And it still happens to this day. I've said it before. This end time harvest, this last great awakening, it is not the great awakening of the performer on the platform. It is the endowment of the masses, which means there won't be one Jesus walking down the street for people to grab onto the hem of his garment, like C.S. Lewis taught by Revelation. God's goal is to make every one of us a little Christ's. What does that mean? Little saviors? No, little anointed ones. The savior department's already been covered. We don't qualify, but He did qualify us for the anointing that. Is on him that same anointing. Shout it out! The same anointing. Come on, say it again. The same anointing. And so, what's going to happen is just people of like precious faith are going to dig in deeper, and the glory of God's going to manifest. And we talked a lot about glorification, but just break it down to the concept of the anointing. That's going to happen. You're going to hands on sick. You're going to recover. Amen. Amen. People are on their last breath. They're going to rise up. People are going to find out that God is moving. There's going to be something on you, and the same thing's going to happen to the people of God. Even in this town, someone's going to reach out by faith, just tap you on the shoulder, trying to get your attention, and the power of God is going to hit them. Why? Say it with me. Divine healing, divine health, divine life. We are supposed to be vessels of life, life coming out of our hearts, life coming out of our mouth, and life coming out of our hands when we're ministering to others. And again, you may feel like there's a warmth, there's a power, there's some kind of a, a jolt, a shock or whatever, or you may feel absolutely nothing. It's not necessary to feel anything coming or going. Story of the woman with an issue of blood, Jesus felt it leave, and what happened? She felt it come. But you know what the real big deal is? Not that somebody felt it come or leave, but that she walked out of their hole. Do you see this? So, Classic redemption is there's a spiritual price, there's a physical price. Say it would be a spiritual price. Separation from God. A physical price. Physical sickness, disease, and death. Amen? And it's still appointed unto man to die what? Once. How does classic redemption come into play with the body that dies? You don't die in Christ without hope. You die and you are raised from the dead. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And on that day, you're given a brand new body that can't die. I want you to think about that. It's not possible for it to get disease. It is a higher flesh. It is the same body that Jesus has. It is not corruptible. It doesn't grow old. It won't lose its hair. It can't get sick. Do you see this? So even even at the, the end of the consequence, death is of course the final enemy. How many are glad Jesus has defeated even death? I believe we're getting close to that getting up day. I mean if we haven't learned anything about this crazy time, we are in the last time. We are in the end times. I mean we are in that sliver of time. And we would do everything we can to get the word out that Jesus is the only way administering that power. But that curse produces ultimately the separation of the spirit from the body but be of good cheer. That's temporary. You got lost lovings over on the other side? You need to rejoice. They're having a great time. You know what they're saying right now? They're saying, I sure ain't glad I'm not down there in that mess. Huh? I don't know don't know what they're saying but we do know according to the book of Hebrews they're cheering for you. We do know that. They're cheering for you. So in classic redemption there's a spiritual price separation from God, there is a physical price sickness, disease and ultimately death, but that is neutralized by what? By you merely going into the presence of God. Amen. What does that mean? It means that if you physically die because of the curse on that aspect and that, you know, parameter of redemption, then number one is emphasized because you're immediately in His presence. That should encourage you. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, just a word about those that have gone before us. I will tell you, and, and all of us in the ministry have the same problem, we have the we have the same temptation, and you do too, Um. We are so programmed by life and by carnality that when somebody dies, we want to believe they're somewhere. We do believe that they're in heaven. But at the same time, we treat them like they no longer exist. If Fred dies, or George dies, or Mary dies, and they're in faith, absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. If Mary went to Germany, I wouldn't say she was a nice person. She was a wonderful cook. Because Mary just what? She just went to Germany. But let Mary die, and all of a sudden it's perfectly appropriate to talk about her as if she no longer exists. Mary is still a good cook. If Mary was the kind that would give the shirt off her back and do anything for anybody, then guess what? Mary still is. But next time you're in a funeral, and you'll even hear those of us that are semi-conscious of this still slip into that old pattern. They used to be. They were. As if they're gone. And it's period. It's over. That's how ingrained death is in the American psyche, not just American, but the human psyche and culture that when they're dead, they're gone. You know what now? Nah, they're more alive than they've ever been. Amen. Rhonda, your mama's more alive now than she's ever been. Amen. Kelly Dorothy's more alive than she's ever been. She didn't used to be anything. She is. Jerry Henley didn't used to be a great evangelist. He still is. He's probably trying to get Mark Randall safe right now, right now. <laughs> Even though he is. Mark's trying to get Jerry to eat some more cheese. Jerry, Cheese! This isn't in my notes, but you may need to hear this right now. You'll hear in almost every situation somebody public dies, somebody prominent dies, somebody in the church dies. They used to. They were. No, no, they are. They are more are right now than they've ever been. I think you should celebrate that right now. They are there, they've taken a trip. They've taken a trip that's more real than any of this nonsense is. And all the time, they're having. It's just one catch. Once you're on the other side, you can no longer do anything about getting people to heaven from this world. Your mission is over. Not your purpose. You'll still have purpose on the other side. But the mission is over in terms of getting people to accept that redemption that he gave us. So say it with me, there's a spiritual price for the curse... There's a physical price from the curse. And number three, there's a financial or material cost to the curse. Um, You cannot separate God's concern for his people and their material needs from their spiritual needs. That is man-made. Man compartmentalizes between spiritual and physical and material to God. They're all part of his covenant. They're all part of his provision. They're all part of his increase. So what I'm saying to you today is because of the blood, we've been redeemed from the curse. We should not become stagnant. We should become what? Increasing in God's presence, increasing in revelation, increasing in what he says and what he wants to do for us. Increasing in our health and when we're healthy, increasing in the dispensing of life to others, and material and financially, you and I should be increasing as well because it's a mark and evidence of the covenant. It's a mark and evidence that the curse has been lifted. Amen. So you and I know there are Christians that believe in salvation, and that's where they stop. Then there are Christians who believe in salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then they stop. There are Christians who believe in healing, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous, and there are those that get there and then they stop. And there's some people who who get stuck there and never embrace that God wants to be your supply. He's your Father. Amen. I said He's your Father. He He wants to do good. But you can understand that if in this context, we believe in an increase, if you want to increase, we've got to make sure that we are building the foundation by walking in the ways of God. So, what, what incentive is there to walk in the ways of God if we don't understand what will happen if we do, and what will happen if we don't? Yeah, somebody confesses Christ, and let's say they live a marginal life, and let's say they really don't do anything for God, or they're kind of carnal, but they have professed Christ, they're genuinely born again, where are they going? But can you see that just going to heaven one day is far below their privileges? I don't want to diminish that because that's the first point of our redemption, but but why leave anything on the table? He's prepared a table before what for us before our enemies. You know, I've heard it preached even at funerals erroneously. That's exactly right. God's got this big table for us up on heaven. Yes, there's a banquet up there, but the banquet referred to, the banquet table referred to as Psalm 23, is not for heaven. If I've seen it printed once on the back of a funeral flyer, I've seen it a thousand times, and I exaggerate not. And yet, there's only one verse in that entire chapter about people who have died. You know what it is? Surely, goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The last phrase is for when you leave this body. All the verses before are for life on this earth. In fact, let's just turn there for a moment. Have you have eyes to see and ears to hear. We will look at Psalm 23 tonight to prove you don't have to have a death to read it. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. That is classic redemption point number three, your material and your physical needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the what? Presence. presence of my enemies. enemies. Do you know one thing you don't have in heaven? Enemies. enemies. You know one thing that God doesn't have in, en- in heaven? It's enemies. He threw the enemy out. Right. There had not been an enemy in heaven since that day, and a third of the angels went with him. That's what you call dumb angels. To know in advance the consequences of following somebody like that and doing it anyway. The enemies are here. So where's the table at? This is not the banquet table that he's going to spread for us in heaven. This is a table he spreads here for your life. And you shouldn't leave anything off that table. You should take it all. You should pull yourself up and say thank you for the table, amen. What do you do as a Christian when you're about to eat? Thank you, Lord, for this food, amen. Amen. Bless this food, the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to your service. You pull up and you eat and you thank it for it. But there's a lot on here, and it's all for you. Provision and rest and anointing and restoration and direction and guidance and protection. Those are all redemptive promises for you and for me. And we shouldn't, uh, you know, walk around and leave any of them on the table. Come on, say it, they're for me. You anoint my head with oil, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. What life? My natural life. Come on, say it, goodness, mercy, loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. All the days. All the, all, the all, the all the days, all the days, all the days, all the days. How many? All. all. The question is, do you believe it? Yes. You believe this, and you say, you say, you know what? I'm ex- I'm receiving everything that's tied to classic redemption. I am redeemed from the curse. Therefore, I'm redeemed from separation from God. I'm redeemed from the affliction of the body, and God is there to provide healing health, and life as I live this out and do what he wants me to do. And he also provides what deliverance from lack right. and insufficiency. Amen. Part of his increase is to grow you materially. He confirms his covenant, Deuteronomy eight seventeen says, but it also shows you the heart of God. You cannot separate one provision from God for his people from another. And it is unscriptural to do. You see this? He wants to increase you in terms of His presence, in terms of His power on your life, anointing. He wants to increase you in terms of uh, good things and and material things, but not so you can worship them, but so you can use these things to advance His kingdom. God is interested in you enjoying your life. And I suggest you start doing it. If you haven't been because you're always fretting, always worried, always looking for the next rainbow on the other side of the hill, you know, or when this happens then I can be joyful and happy and enjoy, no, start doing it now. I promise you, if you'll just write on a piece of paper all the good things God has done for you in your life, you will begin to rejoice. There's just something about human beings, when somebody dies, we think they're gone and we talk like it. Even from the pulpit, we talk as if they don't exist. And when it comes to Christians, sometimes we're so focused on what hasn't happened yet, we're blind to the thousand things he's doing right now in our life. I heard George Pearson say this, and I'll say it to you today, that thanksgiving is the language of faith. You can really tell that you're in faith. We all thank you, God, for this, and thank you, God, for that. I'm not saying you should accept these things that are contrary to the Word of God. You've been redeemed. Can I hear it again? You have been redeemed. You shouldn't accept it. You should press in for full redemption in the spiritual realm and the physical realm and the financial realm. And so if you're, you're having a battle in these three areas, the word's on your side. Amen. The blood's on your side. You just keep on believing God for it. But at the same time, look around and see what you have. Amen. This is a blessed nation. We're a blessed people. We could spend all night long just talking about God did this and God did that, but he's not done. Don't limit him. That got the people of God in trouble. The scripture says they limited the Holy One of Israel. Don't do that. God can go this far, but he can't do more. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine according to his power. It's already at work inside of you. If you're at this level spiritually and physically, financially, go up. Give people around you something to aspire to. Amen? Be the poster child for God. And these things, the, the ability to increase spiritually, physically, financially, materially is tied to the ways of God. Tied to what you do with these principles that we will cover. So he's a God of increase. And listen, if you had a decrease or if you had a setback or you had a standstill, come on, say a a setback, a decrease, a standstill, then you're entitled to restoration. I'm just poor old Job. You're not poor old Job unless you have the double at the end of your trouble. And if you're somewhere between chapter 3 and 42, hang in there. He's no respecter of persons. I said he has no respect to persons. If you have had a setback, a decrease, or a standstill that is not of God, you may have not had a decrease, but you seem to be stuck. That's not the end. Amen. Glory to God. Can you receive that? So there are things that bring increase in our life, but we want to start with the foundation of knowing that increase is His will. Stir yourself up. Amen. Come on, say it. I stir myself up. I believe I'm redeemed from the curse, spiritually, physically, materially. I lay hold of everything God has for me. I claim Psalm 23 in this year of triumph. I claim Psalm 23. I claim everything on that table, every promise in that chapter, including the last one. When I'm done eating, on this side. Then I'm going to go home, on the other side. But after, I'm satisfied. Is that scriptural, Pastor? Yes, Psalm 91, he'll do what? With long life, I will satisfy him at that table. Not just a few more weary days and then. But what? With long life, I'll satisfy them. And then you could put Psalm 23 right next to Psalm 91 and you can understand. Psalm 91, that's just one of the things on that table. When you've had enough, when you're satisfied, then you go. Hallelujah. In the meantime, do what? You keep on pressing in for increase. Amen. More of God. More restoration in your physical life. More restoration in your material financial life. Why? It's wonderful to be increased because now you can be even bigger givers and sowers and blessers of other people. It's more blessed to what? Yeah. To give and then to receive. That's ultimately the heart of God. How do we know God's a giver? Yeah. God so loved that he? Yeah. Hello. that <laughs> he what? Okay. What does love do? It doesn't stockpile in the hoard. it gives, it blesses. It's a wonderful lifestyle. Can I tell you something prophetically? There are people sitting here tonight, and there are people in this congregation, and God is stirring them up. They're waking up to the reality of where they're supposed to be, and you're going to have a passion in your heart to get there. You're going to dive further into the Word than you ever had before, dive into the presence of God more than you ever had before, and God is going to do great things in your life. But first, he has to stir up the household of faith. Amen? We've been broadside. This has been a full frontal attack of the enemy, not just on the nation, but on the church specifically. Yeah. Amen? But you didn't quit. Nope. No. Say it, I'm not, I'm not a quitter. You know who's going to be promoted first outside of COVID-19? The non-quitters. That's right. mm-hmm. That's right. You're going to see the promotion of God in your life by being steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Amen. So believe him for increase. Come on, say it. I believe he is increasing me every single day. Say it like me. I don't care what's happened in the past. That's not where my faith is. My faith and confidence is in the word of God. It tells me he increases all that fear him. And you want to know what that really means? All that fear Him means those that walk in His ways are increased. Aren't you excited to, to even think about what God has for you? Eye hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love Him. There's good things out there. Amen. Encounters with God, adventures in prayer, physical healings and restorations. People calling you on the phone, you don't even know, I heard you believe in healing. Just asking you to pray the prayer of faith over them. Amen. God blessing your socks off so much that at any given time, God can tell you to do something to help somebody else and you are prepared and you have it to do. What a blessing. Amen. There is nothing like knowing somebody's been crying out to God and they're needing help and God sent you across their path and you became the answer to that prayer what a blessing that is and that's why that scripture is there, it is more blessed to what? to give that's what the lifestyle is all about so give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight